You're listening to the Design Your Dreams podcast with Amy Lee, the show that challenges you to stop chasing your dreams and start designing them. As the dream design coach, I've helped thousands of high achieving creatives reconnect with their inner blueprint to design, manifest, and live the life of their dreams. Each week, I invite powerhouse creators who have built their dream businesses to come and share their words of wisdom and stories of courage. It is my hope that through the journeys of these incredible dream builders, you too will be inspired to design and build a life and business beyond your wildest dreams. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Wisdom. I am so excited for my guest today. Um, Rob Fair is here. He is phenomenal. Everybody is, I probably butchered his name. He'll, he'll pronounce it correctly in a minute when he gets up here. But he is someone that everyone, everyone found out that he was going to be on my show. They were like, OMG, I love this guy. He's a clubhouse um, rock star. Super duper excited to have him. We'll be back with him in a minute. to welcome Rob. Here he is. Welcome, Rob. Tell me, first of all, how do we pronounce your last name? I didn't even think to ask. Yeah, we forgot to go over this in our pre, pre-consult before we got this. Right. Uh, so here's an interesting thing. A lot of people default to fair. Um, some people call me fairy. That's what I grew up as. And then I pivoted to foray. So I always say it rhymes with hooray. Hip hop foray. Ho. Hey. I love it. I love it. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited yeah. to have you. So I um like I said, we jumped on super late this time. Um, but so you are a entertaining, hold on, I wrote it down. You are an entertaining entrepreneur. I would love for you to explain to us kind of what that is. Yeah. So I, I think that's fairly easy way to put it. Somebody that uh, is an entertainer and has built a business for themselves. Um, I never really consider myself like a super entrepreneur, like where I have like multiple businesses and I have multiple, multiple uh, divestments and money and things like that. But I think people who are wanting to get into business and are entertainers, they're often looking for ways to do it. And so I like to put that as my moniker as the entertaining on entrepreneur, also a celebration collaborator. And so I usually use those monikers to be able to get people more interested into what I do. And so we can definitely dive into the more specifics of what I do. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. So tell me, how does somebody go from like, what did you do before? Or did, did you always do this? I see that you're kind of a Disney kid like me. You were at Disney when we had our original interview. Um, and so, you know, you definitely have that entertainer heart like I do, but I want to hear kind of like what makes someone say, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a career. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me. So you worked for Disney as well. I did. Yeah. I was a CP. I worked for pirates. Very cool. Uh, I didn't work for pirates. I worked at pirates and I worked at pirates before the whole Johnny Depp thing. So they were okay. just 
just doing the movies when I left. So we didn't have any of that stuff. It was just regular pirates. So this is a the the Magic Kingdom or Disneyland? <laughs> the Magic, Magic Kingdom. Kingdom. Okay. So I I don't I I would love to know when you were there because I worked in Adventureland Liberty Square as well. I worked uh I started working there in 2004. And so I was there in 2004. I just left. Okay. So I did my college Okay. So you're, yeah, you were just right before me. And so you're, you're probably a little bit younger than me because I went there and worked there right after college. I had a broadcast communications degree me too. and I had this degree and I decided, well, if I'm not going to get a job in broadcast, I might as well go to Disney because nobody was hiring me at that moment. I, I applied at different places, nothing quite fit. So I packed my bags and I I uh, went all the way from Salt Lake City, Utah to Orlando, Florida, and I got my first job working for Disney. So give me a second here. I have this prop I want to show you. Okay. All right. I'm excited. I like. Well, props. first thing, we're going to show you this. This right here is what I did. This was my college program working in this outfit in the parking lot at MGM Studios. Yes. And so oh, I had a conversation. Yes. I was the guy who was pointing people to their cars. I was also the guy who was driving the tram and spieling on the tram. Mm -hmm. And what do you think was my favorite part? Spieling on the tram. So I was the guy in the back of the tram who's like, you parked your car in Goofy 55, lower your head, watch your step. If you don't lower your head, please watch your language. This is a family theme park. So that was my job at first. And I went on the jungle cruise while I was on the college program. And I was like, this is the job made for me. So I made a jungle cruise experience on the tram. So I was doing stick and jokes and pointing out bushes and different things like, hey, there's that and this. this. I love so that. I had a lot of fun. And so I did what was called the college program Night of Stars. And I, I did that on. too. Did you do it too? Did you win one of these? No, well, I, so I wanted to, I wanted to sing. I know exactly the pavilion you're talking about, right? Like yeah. in Vista Way and everything. Way. I, so I wanted to sing um, Maureen's um, monologue from Rent because I'm obviously I'm a Dean I look alike, right? And they were like, yes, you, you, can't say, you can't say suicidal Mickey Mouse. And I was like, but, but I love it. And so um, I ended up doing the um, elephant medley with another kid. And so we did, you know, um, Satine and Christian. But yeah, we didn't win. The girl who won was the girl who sang um, My Strongest Suit from Aida. Oh, nice. Well, okay. So you know exactly what this talent show was. It was called The Night of Many Stars. And I did the Polish Magic Show. And you can find it online. If you actually Google Rob Ferrey Polish Magic Show, you'll find it. You, you can also find uh, my Jungle Cruise. You can look up Rob Ferrey Jungle Cruise. But I won that night. Uh, there were many different categories, but I won for top props performance. So whatever that means, oh, I, I won it. this. This is my beloved Mouseker. And I keep that with me, and it's and that what's really put me on the radar with the guy who went on to mentor me. His name is Elliot Hansen, and he was the Disney DJ. He was working all the college program stuff, but he also got me started working in Universal Studios in the Men in Black ride, DJing in the queue line while people waited to go on the ride. So that was my first job as a DJ. But I, I would also say I worked in entertainment being that I worked at the Jungle Cruise, even though it's an operations or an attraction. But I would say 
Jungle Cruise is one of the more entertaining type rides or attractions at Disney World. And then I also worked at the Nickelodeon Hotel where I got my start as a game show host. And so I did a whole variety of things in Orlando, Florida. I was there for three years and I called that. I like to tell people that I got my MFE, my Master's of Family of Entertainment. So I had a lot of fun doing that. And then I moved back to Utah. And when I moved back to Utah, I started my business 14 years ago, which is called Life of the Party. And through those years, at the very beginning, I was thinking, I need to find another job. I need to get like a respectable job. I tried to work as like a, worked in radio. I tried to work uh, as a substitute teacher. And I thought I'd get into something else, but nothing stuck. And I'm glad it didn't because those jobs weren't built for what I do. I didn't really get into business to be in business. I got in business to be on stages. And so it was a lot of... Uh, trial and error, but I didn't have a family to support. So I really kind of built my business throughout my 20s and then found a wife in my 30s. And here I am today in my 40s doing the majority of my events are virtual. And mm -hmm. so I built this virtual studio. This is a real disco ball. It's not spinning right now, but I could turn on some lights and it's spin around. But that's what I do primarily is. And but when I'm not at home doing these virtual events, I, I'm a speaker. I go, I've done international events. I, I go do game shows. I, I do keynotes. And the thing I love doing the most is emceeing worldwide events. And I do multiple multi-day conferences. I did an event for Adele a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I do association events. Next week, I'm going to Tennessee and I'm going to Dollywood, but I'm also doing a presentation before that. So it's a lot of fun doing what I do because I love to travel. And a lot of people talk about their why. My why in life is being able to get paid to travel and take my wife along with me. I love that. I love that. And I, I love that you recognize that you had a true and deep desire to do something. And that was more important than the status quo, you know, and that's what makes the difference. That's where the innovators kind of come from is those people that say, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really going to settle for a nine to five. Yeah. The money might be good, but it's not speaking to that place in my soul. And I'll tell you guys, for those of you who don't know, if you've never done the college program, there are many fantastic things about the college program. It's also a really big learning experience because you've never been as poor as you've been when you're in the Disney college program. I mean, you literally, you don't know what poor is until you minimum wage, minimum wage. But when I was there, we were getting paid $6 an hour and we had our, our, um, our rent came out of that. So if you yes. got ER'd, right. Cause everybody wanted to get ER'd to go play in the park. You were trying to figure out how to pay your bills, but you know, I was, 20 at the time. And I didn't really understand how that all worked. So that was very interesting, you know, to be like, oh, I have $13 this week to buy groceries. And, and for those who don't know, early release. Yes. I totally forgot about how they took it out of our, our rent out of our paycheck. Yeah. I think that was $7 when I was there. So yeah, you oh. didn't make a whole lot of money, no. but luckily this other DJ job actually supplemented that. But yes, I did the college program for four months. Um, I did spring in 2004. And I always tell people, if you're ever going to do any college program, do the spring. It's the shortest and it's probably the best weather that you'll experience while you're there. I think that's what I did. I did is January to May spring. Yeah. Yep. That's what I did. Yep. Yeah. Cause, oh, cause yep. then there was spring advantage that some people yep. okay. goes into the summer. Yeah. Right. And then if you work in the fall, 
you're working during all the holidays. You're there for Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. That yeah. might be fun for some people, but it's quite stressful during the holidays there. But for spring, you're working grad night. So you're literally working all the time. I loved grad night. Grad night was fun. I also, uh, once I uh, worked, started working at uh, the Jungle Cruise, I got cross-trained at the Haunted Mansion. And I loved grad nights at the Haunted Mansion because these teenagers come in there and I would uh, deliberately scare them. I would come out from out the shadows and scare people, especially in the stretch room. And I'd have this flashlight and I go, ah, you know, things like that. It was a lot of fun. And so I actually really enjoyed those grad nights. It was a thrill for me. I liked grad night because we always got to work in twos because of what happened that time on yes. Double Cruise. We got to work in twos. So that was kind of cool. Like we, we, you know, yeah. and the, I got to tell you this story. There was this one time, it was my turn to be the last one to ride through the ride. So they, you know, you go through and you do the last ride through to make sure there's nobody in there. Everybody else was already doing whatever. And they were like, oh, we got to go do this. We got to go to unload. We got to get, you know, all the, the kiosk stuff and whatever. I was like, okay, fine. So I get in the boat. So these jerks are up in tower. And yeah, if you're watching out there, you guys, I'm still not over it. So they're up in tower and they're watching me and they decide to turn all of the sound off and turn all of the anime and leave all the animation on. So there I am going through pirates and literally all the little animatronic things are moving and going like this, but there's no sound and there's no sound in the ride. And they thought it was hilarious. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, they get on the Alec, right? Cause I know you're out there, Alec. He gets on the loudspeaker thing and he's like, Amy Lee, you're going to die. And like, it was like they returned the whole inside of pirates into this like haunted, and I don't do haunted things. I mean, haunted mansion, I adore, but not like, you know, the, the fair, like little trailers, you know, haunted houses. I don't do that. So they thought they were absolutely hysterical. The six of them sitting up there watching me do this last ride. This ride. I was so mad. <laughs> it was terrifying. I mean, watching all of it was just, I believe it. I believe it. And I hear there's actually a ghost at Pirates at Magic Kingdom. Uh, you have to greet him in the morning and greet him. At George, night. And if you don't, the ride will APD. The ride will automatically power disconnect and you'll end up in waiters walking through the ride, pushing boats. Has that ever happened? It didn't. Did you happen. ever experience any Georgisms? Yes. You did? Yes. 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 Okay. I know we're going off on a tangent here, but I'm, I, I would love to hear what your experience with George was. Okay. So when you're done with load, which there's two sides of pirates and we only really used one side for loading, except for like, yeah. there were like celebrities or green card, you know, green cards, right? So right. green cards would come through the other door, but mostly it's one load. So there's yeah. a, there's a, um, there's a rotation. So you go from load, you get, um, what do you call it? When, when we rotate every 15 minutes, we would go up to tower. So you go through the doors, you go up to tower. So there's this like old rickety stairs. And so I'm climbing up the stairs and I look and Alec had come in that morning, this kid Alec, and he announced that he didn't say goodnight to George the night before and he was in tower and we're all like, oh, great. That's wonderful. So something's going to happen. So I'm walking up these rickety steps and there was this big utility closet and I look and I'm coming around the corner to open the door to go relieve the guy. And there's this guy who's like on top of this utility closet, laying down with his hand like this. And I'm like, what the heck is the guy doing up there? Like, why is the maintenance guy up at the top of this cabinet? 
And then I sign in, I sit down to go start running the ride. And all of a sudden, the whole thing stops. Literally, the second I get into the chair, the whole thing stops. And the music's still going because all that's separate, right? So it's like, and so there's people. And normally, normally, when somebody has like a video camera light, you know, you love the feel, right? So I'd be like, video camera lighting is not allowed on this attraction. And then you'd stop their boat at the top of the ramp and say, sir, with the green hat, please turn off your video. And they're like, you're an actual person? That was like one of my favorites. So yeah. the boat started stopping like, and you get that jolt. You watch on all the black and white cameras, you watch the boats kind of back up and I'm like, Oh no, this is not good. So we called maintenance, right? So they were probably in Liberty square or something like that. Or maybe they were at splash. Cause they usually rotated between us, big thunder and splash. So yeah. they come over and meanwhile, the whole, like all of the stuff won't turn back on. And we're like, okay, so maybe there's a backup. So we figured we'd pull a boat. So we send somebody down to go grab one of the boats and pull it out and kind of make space. Doesn't help. So long story short, we ended up having to empty all the people. So that's why I wasn't because I was in tower. I was in charge tower. But yeah, they had to go put on the waders. And they literally had to go in, pull, and you have to pull the boats to the next point where there's a place for guests to stop. So you pull the boats up and then you let the next people out and then you pull a boat up and you, and so there were a couple places like, remember we used to have the redhead. <laughs> remember we were allowed to have her. Yeah. 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 So behind there, there's a little, um, there's an exit point. And so we would just have, they would have to pull the boats up to that point, but yeah, no, totally had a George, George sighting because of stupid Alec and how he wouldn't say goodnight to him. And yeah, it was, it was very much something that we did. And we, when you go through the ride, you know, the, the burning city part where there's like that big, that's, that's where he fell from. Is that. Okay. So let's, let's, let's give more context to all our viewers here. So George is a ghost at pirates in the magic kingdom. He apparently died inside the ride while doing maintenance. Is that correct? Yeah. And he fell from like the rafters or something. Is that what the he story fell is? From, yeah, I think it was in like the late 60s, early 70s. He fell from the top of the, in the fire scene, there's like a tower. And he fell, mm -hmm. I think, from the top of that and he passed away. There's actually a plaque inside the ride behind there. Commemorating and that. dedication. Yeah. And so he died and now his spirit haunts the ride. And if you don't say good morning, George, and good night, George things happen. And you said you saw a maintenance worker on top of the lockers. Did you look back and he was gone? Like you, you didn't kind of complete that story. That yeah, part of the story. I, I think I looked back. I don't remember if he was gone. I mean, it, you know, I'm 38 years old. This is 18 years ago. So, right. um, I but you remember seeing somebody on top of that is the weirdest and craziest kind of like, thing. Okay. Kind of like in a Cheshire cat kind of a stance. If I think yeah, 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 yeah. Just sitting okay. there, like up on his, like, and I remember thinking like, why is he up there? But you know, you're thinking about like, okay, I got to get into tower. I got to sit down. Right. I got to sign the book. I got to make sure that everything, you know, cause you're still running the ride. So. Yeah. yeah. That is the weirdest. And I used to work at the haunted mansion and I don't, it wasn't haunted. I, we didn't have, we didn't have a George there. And the creepiest thing was actually walking through the ride at night. Um, but I, I had so much fun exploring that 
attraction when everybody was gone and things would be turned off. And it was really interesting when the music was turned off and those animatronics are going, you just hear the clicking and the clacking and the stuff Yes, like it's that. awful. It's so bad. It's mean. Well, it's mean when you're alone, yeah. But I would usually go with another cast member and it was a lot of fun. It was, the Haunted Mansion was the one of the coolest uh, attractions to explore, so. Anyway, <laughs> we're having so much fun. People are just logging as like, what are they talking about? What is this? all this Disney stuff? But yeah, working for Disney was, it was fun, but also I realized where my ceiling was. And if you wanted to get anywhere with Disney, you had to be a lifer. You had to kind of work your way up that ladder and it'd mm -hmm. take you probably 30 years to get where you wanted to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I just remember... I remember being so like enamored by the CSMs that were there, right? They were just so cool with their lanyards that, you know, they didn't care if they gave away the most amazing pin. And you're like, what are you doing? That little girl just, that's like, they're like, ah, it's okay. And I'm like, but we had, but that was on our, they didn't care. You know, they were just like, eh. yeah. it was, yeah, it was, right. it was an interesting experience. Definitely. Especially in customer service. I mean, you put Disney on yeah. your resume and it doesn't matter what you do. Like that yeah. right there is like ticket to paradise for sure. Yeah. People like, love to see that. And uh, speaking of customer service, I learned a lot of great lessons from Disney. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of my favorite is it's called the Disney scoop. And I think anybody who who is listening, this is something you could use in your own life. And it's most what happens a lot in society is people say, that's not my job. I don't need to worry about this. I'm going to leave that alone. Right. And so with what the Disney scoop method is, is you're always on stage and every cast member is part of the show. Right. So what, when you ever come out onto in front of guests, you are on stage and you have to keep up the show. And so our custodians are not called custodians. They're called what? Showkeepers. And they are the ones to make sure that the show is immaculate. So you walk around Disney, there's not trash on the ground, things are put away, things are nice, and they keep things up. So as a cast member, if you ever see trash on the ground, you if you're walking from one place to the other, let's say you got to go to a bathroom break, or you're walking from one attraction to the other, you scoop it up and you throw it away. And we call it the Disney scoop. And so this is something that I've used throughout my life. And the thing is, whenever I see a need, and if that's something I can help with, I will help. And it's not, that's not my job. I, if there's a point where if there's too many cooks in the kitchen or somebody could do that task, I will leave that to the person. But if there's something that I said, okay, nobody else is doing this, I'm going to help. And also that applies in life. Mm -hmm. Somebody who needs somebody to open the door, carry somebody's groceries. Mm -hmm. um, also stepping in when nobody else will. I think that's the biggest problem with society now is when when we see something bad happening to another person, we often just like, well, that's not my issue. I'm not going to step into that. I don't want to be a part of that situation. And I think people appreciate it when people say, that's not right. This shouldn't happen. And I don't want to give specific instances, but we need to do that more as a society. And we need to say that's not right. Or we need to help somebody. You know, it happened to me a couple months ago. I saw this girl, I was filling up my gas at Sam's club and there was this girl crying and I went up to her and I said, what's wrong? And she's like, um, my dad basically kicked me out of his house. It's my, I came to visit him. I'm living with him for the next month, but I need to leave. And so I, I was like, okay, 
is somebody going to help her? And so I picked her up and I took her down to the women's shelter downtown. And I don't tell people that story very often because I don't be like, well, good for me. Right. But it's more about like, who is going to help this person? If it's not you, is it going to be anybody else? So what can you do to help improve society? And I learned those things at Disney. Like we're all part of this world. We're all part of the society. Let's make it a better place to live. No, I completely, completely agree with that. And, you know, one of those things, guys, that you got to do, aside from scooping, is you got to throw Woban on puke and sweep it up. Like, I think I'm just, just sweeping up some some sawdust that's definitely not vomit, guys. Yes. Not at all. And, um, and we used to get, oh my gosh, we used to get the silliest questions. And we just had to be so cute about it. Like, what time is the yep. three o'clock parade? It's at two o'clock. It's at two o'clock today. Yeah, yeah, it was so exactly. ridiculous. It was Sheila's <laughs> laughing so hard. So I have a question for you because you did yeah. you did say Liberty Square. So I need yeah. to know what on God's green earth was that smell in the utilidor in Liberty Square? Like when we would walk from costuming to pop out in Adventureland, there was this one spot that smelled like rotten baloney. And I just want to know, like, what was that? Do you know that you know the, the smell, right? No, I, I yeah, it's probably just from the food at Liberty Tree Tavern, which actually has the best food on Disney in property, in my opinion. It's the best food, but it's probably rotting food that was probably not making its way, or it just you were probably it was probably right over there. But I remember smelling it, but I didn't really pay too much attention I to it. But, block block my nose to go through that spot but that makes sense that's probably right exactly where it is and so is it true that the brown spot in liberty square is meant to be the sewage that like it's supposed to symbolize the sewage of being in colonial times yeah yeah (laughs) yes so back in colonial times people would actually throw uh, their their waste out the window and there was like a little river that would form in the middle of the street. And so they have a, if you look at there, if you go to Liberty Tree, not Liberty Tree, but near the Liberty Tree and yeah. right, Liberty Square. Right before mansion branches off, right? Yeah, right. Yes. And there is some, there's a brown kind of like wavy pattern. And that is because it patterns the rivers of sewage. <laughs> We're 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 gonna we're gonna get a cease and desist from Disney. That's like this is not the stuff you talk about. Yeah, no, no, they probably you know it was intentional. That's the thing about Disney that these Imagineers do a lot of things that are intentional. They put a lot of as we call Mm -hmm. Easter eggs into it, hidden Mickey's, all those type of things. And that's what makes Disney so amazing is the attention to detail and some of these fun things that they put in that people are looking for. Yeah, I miss it. I mean, I definitely, you know, I have a small child who has special needs. And so we're not really mm-hmm. in a position at, at his age. He's only not even two. So he's not really like, yeah. you know what I mean? Not mobile enough to go. But um, we do have a timeshare. We are DVC members. So um, you can tell. Once Disney kid, always a Disney kid, don't you think? Yeah. Have you been in the last year? No, no. I haven't. Mm-mm. Okay. I've been a couple of times. And so. Yeah, you were Yeah, um, you were there. That's how, yeah, you were there when we I've been- Yes, I was there in February first. Uh, that was the last time I went. And then I also went in uh, September. So oh. I've been a couple of times. Um, I'll tell you this. I do not like wearing a mask inside of a Disney park, especially when it's hot and humid. 
But one thing I do love now is that they have these socially distant lines and you don't have that person that's right behind you just creeping on your space. Like, like I love the spaced out lines, mm -hmm. even though it makes the lines seem a lot longer. They feel like they go faster because they're socially distant, which is kind of weird. But I do love the socially distant line. But also when you go through Haunted Mansion, there are certain parts with certain pre-shows of certain shows, they don't do the pre-shows anymore because they don't want oh, stagnant yeah. like people. Oh, yeah, like the room getting smaller and stuff. You can't cl cram everyone in. So you probably couldn't do that tower anymore either. Yeah, so they don't have the stretch room. You walk through the stretch room directly onto the ride. Um, one of my new favorite rides, it's called um, Mickey's Runaway Train. It's where the um, great movie ride used to be. And they have this pre-show that we couldn't experience because they can't, put people into a room and let them just stay there. And so we walked right through the pre-show onto the ride. So a lot of those pre-show elements are gone, but I postponed. do like- They're postponed, Rob. They're coming back. Yeah, I said the word gone. I, I meant to say, yes, they will be coming back. But yeah, some of those pre-show elements are a little bit different. I did go on Rise of the Resistance and they still had those pre-show elements. Um, they do space a lot hour? of people. So uh, Rise of the Resistance is out over at Hollywood Studios and it's part of this, it's part of, it's the new Star Wars ride. It's amazing. It's one of the most amazing rides you'll ever go on in your entire life. It's More amazing. More than Avatar, you think? Yeah, it's better than Avatar. Avatar is cool, but it's much better because it's, it's multi-layered interactive experience. I'll mm -hmm. just leave it at that. I don't want to spoil it. Once you go on it, you'll be like, wow, Rob was right. And so- there's basically three different parts that blow your mind while you're in it. It's just a really cool immersive experience. I love those. I, I definitely love yeah. the immersive rides, but I am sad about the ones that go away. Like the carousel of progress. Like that was so boring. Well, it's still, but at the same time, it was very. They still have it at magic kingdom. It's not at Disneyland anymore. So um, who knows if they'll ever get rid of carousel progress at uh, magic kingdom. But uh, did they some, keep Tower of, at Magic Kingdom? Yes, they did. The okay. Tower at Disneyland has been rethemed to. Right. Um, it's uh, sorry, people are screaming at their their computers right now. It's um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was kind of fascinating for me. I feel like Disney has these like iconic things, and yeah. when they change them, I'm just like, but why? Like the whole point, yeah. like. You know, it's like the the whole mythos of of Disney. I feel like is kind of lost when they do that. I mean, I understand they need to kind of make it for the new generation, but I'll tell you, I I will go postal if they ever take out Spaceship Earth because that's just too, it's just too. Yeah, so they're hoping to retheme it or just um, update it. So that was supposed to happen about a year ago, but I because of the pandemic they delayed that. You would think, why not they do it during the pandemic? But I think a lot of their money is sunk into different things. So right now they're creating new Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Epcot. That should be done within the next year. Uh, they just finished Ratatouille, but it's not opening until the fall, I think. And so then they're also Fantasyland. So Ratatouille's at Epcot in France. Oh, okay. Okay. And then they're building Tron at Magic Kingdom right now. And that's just taking a lot longer than they thought. Yeah. Epcot is getting a huge major facelift. Like the whole middle part where Interventions was and the fountain, that's all gone. 
And so they're giving it a facelift right now. So uh, Hollywood Studios is like the new hot place because everything is finished there. Everything, Hollywood Studios is the most complete park right now, which is amazing. I remember when that one was kind of the like the lowest on the totem pole for a while. I mean, back when Rock and Roller yes. Coaster came out and Tower, like it was, I mean, yep. we were just back and forth in that one little area over and over and over. But then it kind of got a little bit like stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. But now with uh, Toy Story Land, uh, Galaxy's Edge, which is Star Wars Land, the new M Runaway Train and Tower, it's going to be amazing. My, my hope is they retheme uh, Rocking Roller Coaster soon. That one needs a little bit of an update. But right now that park is just, uh, it's just awesome. It has some of the best attractions at D Walt Disney World. Well, now I want to go. Jerk. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I can't go right now, though. Okay, so we're at the part of the conversation where if you guys have questions for Rob, you yes. want to ask him things. Um, and while we're waiting for those questions, I would love to know how can people get a hold of you if they want to book you for an event, if they want to just be besties. Like, how does that all work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, if you're watching this on Facebook, you can find me there as well. But uh, LinkedIn is good at Rob Frey, Instagram at Rob Frey, and then go to my website, robfrey.com, R-O-B-F-E-R-R-E. -R -R -E. You can see it right, let me see here, right there. There we go. I want to <laughs> point at the right thing. That's my name right there. Okay. Because uh, I'm trying to figure out this mirroring thing. But yeah, that's where can people find me. And um, I do a whole variety of events. I travel, but the cool thing right now is I do a whole lot of virtual events for my home. I do family game shows. So if you ever want to do a family game night, great. I'm also a virtual event producer. So if you need me to actually produce your virtual event, I can do, I did one this morning. Um, so I don't do the big, huge whistles and bells and all this kind of stuff. But if you want a simple zoom, well-produced event, I can do that for you as well. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun being in the entertainment business, and I love being able to connect with audiences, and I enjoy any stage, either it be virtual, live, Disney. Uh, I love all those type of things. So, yeah, and, then, and I love getting yeah, back to work. Just to, just to bring in the metaphysical piece, because it wouldn't be my show if I didn't, I just want you guys yeah. to be mindful of the fact that as you look at this and you hear the things that Rob's talking about, about what he loves, remember that that is what the universe wants him to do. And so it incentivizes that behavior by making him love it, right? Like he loves being on stage. Yeah. He loves speaking. He loves being part of everything. And that is what the universe needs of him. That's what it hired him for, right? Throw on the skin suit, come to earth, make people happy, <laughs> bring people together, create magical moments and do this. And we're going in, in exchange, we're going to give you the most incredibly fulfilling feelings. And not everybody takes the time to find out what that thing is. And the fact that you figured out what it was, refused to settle for anything less. And now here you are in your dream. I wouldn't even call it a business, your dream life, right? Mm. Doing what you want to do, doing what lights you up. And I can just see, you know, the universe, God's source up there going at a boy, you know, that's what I wanted you to do. And that alignment that you have, correct me if I'm wrong, but everything else kind of falls into place, right? Like the money aspect, the family aspect, the getting to travel, like all of that just kind of cascades because you are meeting that threshold of what it is you truly desire, right? Yeah, and it doesn't come without hard work. 
I no, think not at all. To focus on that. I, it, it's not given to you, and it takes a while. Uh, for me, I'm. Uh, I would say, I play the long game. If anything, long, not the L A W N, but long. In and for me, what does that long game mean? It's the relationship game. And uh, what I do is based on relationships. And my success is based on relationships. And let me give you a story. One year ago, what were we doing? We were panicking. We were figuring out what are we going to do next? How are we going to get through this pandemic? And a lot of people were very like, you know what? This, this will be done in two months, right? Tops, summer's going to come. It will go away. It didn't. And I listened to my mentors and some friends who were in the business and they were like, this is probably not going to go away. This is going to be a good year before we start doing live events. And I'm like, no. And once I saw them starting to build their own virtual studios, I'm like, okay, I need to do the same thing. And so I think, and the reason I'm telling you this story is I built this studio in my office here about a year and a half, well, last April. So I was going to say a year and a half ago, it feels like longer than that, right? But a year ago in April, and I had to lean in. And once I leaned in, and I kind of pushed my bets to the center of the table, and I said, this is what's going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, it really was the best thing I could have done. And so I often talk about when I speak, I speak about being the first one on the dance floor. And you have to take that initiative to get out there and take a risk and take the courage to do it. Because sometimes people are just staring at the dance floor. The metaphor of the dance floor is whatever you're staring at, either it be a career or someplace where you want to go in life, and you're not stepping out. Have you ever been to a wedding or a dance where people are just staring at this dance floor and nobody's dancing? And you're like, I don't want to be that person. And so if you're that person, it's hard. I get it. And it takes a lot of courage. And so luckily, I stepped out onto that dance floor. I wasn't the first one. But I was inspired by others who were dancing on that dance floor. And I said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do that same thing. And I'm going to support what's happening. Because I leaned in and because I started with my virtual events, it took me a while to ramp up to where I am. But I had one of the most successful years of my life in 2020, which is crazy to me. There were days in December where I did these game shows. I did seven in a day. Like I did seven events. I was like, all right, that was fun. Turn it off click on, Hey, welcome to our game show. Like I just went from one group to the other. And that's what I love about virtual is I have more inventory. Now I don't have to give away one date. I have to give away an hour mm -hmm. or an hour and a half. So mm -hmm. because I leaned into it, that's what happened. And I think that's, as you were talking about Amy Lee, I think it's really important. If you have a desire, if you have something you want to do, you gotta, you gotta go full in. You can't just go halfway. It's going to take you a little bit longer, but if you go full in, people are going to know it. And I also told people, this is what I do. I had to tell my friends. And because my success was due to my friends saying, Rob does this. Rob's a host. He's a that. You should call Rob. I don't do that. So my friends in the DJ community were referring me. My friends in the speaker community, my friend friends, or my Facebook friends, some I don't even know because I just said, sure, you'll be my friend. So it really has been an amazing year, but it's because of these relationships and the top of mind awareness that I try and give people. Wow, that is so powerful. And I, I love that you have such a collaborative and supportive community around you. And I'm sure you do the same for them and yeah. you know, in their areas of, of excellence and genius. So that's really amazing. And it's been 
So good having you on the show. Um, Sheena, uh, Sheena says such a great interview. And she also said, love you. Thank you, Sheena. Appreciate it. <laughs> so one more question I have for you before we wrap up is tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about how Clubhouse has impacted mm -hmm. your business and your life and kind of like, what did that add or detract from um, the way that yeah. you, you know, you know, the question. Yeah. It, Clubhouse is an interesting thing. Um, I start my birth date in Clubhouse was December 27th. Uh, that's when I first downloaded the app and I started going on there and it's invite only back then. I still, I still think it's invite only, but, um, I got on there and a whole new world was opened up to me and I'm a, I'm a social maven. I love to go to networking events. I love to meet new people. And the cool, coolest thing about clubhouse is now I'm meeting people. I probably never would have met otherwise. The pandemic gave us this gift. Yes, Exactly. I mean, maybe, maybe down the road, we could have run into each other at a like college program. Group. <laughs> right. Whatever it may be. But we, but that's the coolest thing about clubhouse is it, it's a different type of networking. It's audio based, right? And now we're hearing the voice, which is one of the best ways to connect with people through our voices. Mm -hmm. And you're now listening to people talk about their lives, talk about their businesses and helping others. And so when I first logged on there, I was so just like, it's like the first day of like high school. It, maybe it's scary to jump on a stage and speak, but it was so exciting to meet new friends and great, have new relationships. And a lot of those people who I've met on Clubhouse, I can really call friends, but I haven't met them in person yet. We've done some Zoom calls, but I'm really excited to see them in person. But my strategy for Clubhouse is to expand my network and to also have, once again, top of mind awareness. I've actually spun off work from it. And now they you can monetize Clubhouse. You can get tips and things like that. It's in beta stage of that. I don't really want to go on to Clubhouse and be like, hey, send me a tip because I said something inspiring, right? I don't really care about that. I want people to go, oh, we have a this, we have an event we need Rob. I've met Rob on Clubhouse. He's that. And so that for me is what Clubhouse is. It's not that for everybody. Some people just go in there and they, we, sometimes they call themselves lurkers, but they listen and they learn. And how cool is that about Clubhouse is now you're tapping into people from all over the world and getting information about the line of business you're in or something that you want to do, a passion of yours. And now you're getting this insight that you probably wouldn't have gotten other, otherwise, right? So yeah. that's what I love about it. But it is a time suck. I remember that first week I was on it like probably 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I've scaled down a bit. Um, I do have that FOMO factor. But now that I've experienced a lot of Clubhouse, I think it's I'm able to scale down a little bit and focus more on what I want to do. I didn't see what, what, what did she say right there? There's she said comments FYI. in the group. Hold on. Let's go look at the comments in the group. Yes. I'm very, very curious as to what they're saying. Yeah, me yeah. too. Um, I don't see them on this end, but you, you're you in the group, so you'll see them when we're done and you can go okay. in. Okay, yeah. I don't actually see any extra. Um, Rob, your voice is so smooth. We, yeah, we have quite a few people watching. <laughs> we, we're on five different platforms right now, so. Okay, um, so you're getting a feed from different I'm things. Getting, so yeah, getting I'm getting, because we've got YouTube, we've got my two business pages, and then we've also got my personal page and then we've got my group. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. And, and look at the community that you've built. And that's the cool thing about 
Clubhouse as well is you're building community around what you do. And so you've built this awesome Facebook community and you have a tribe. And that's what I love about Clubhouse is you are able to find different tribes and build tribes as well. For me, I love to support communities. I can be a community builder, but it's a daunting task to do it all on your own. So props to you, Amy Lee, for, for building what you have built and keeping it going because it takes a lot of effort. And so hopefully you have a lot of people who are supporting you, lifting you up. And and for those of you who are watching, we appreciate that you are part of this community and supporting Amy Lee. She stepped out onto this dance floor and she couldn't have done it alone. She would have been Elaine from like Seinfeld dancing all by That's herself. That's how I dance, Rob. Why'd you gotta say oh. that? <laughs> Actually, people send me that picture all the time. They're like, really? Oh no. Well, that's the metaphor well, I use because dances like Elaine. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. But now you have other friends who are dancing awkwardly with you. And yes. like, I love that. I love the Amy Lee. Let's do all do the Amy Lee. Right. Right. And so that's how it works. And for those of you who are watching and who are supporting Amy, this is where you are needed. She needs that. She is our rock star. Right. And so whatever you're doing, if you're stepping out onto a dance floor, you hopefully have Amy Lee behind you supporting you as well. And that's what Aww. community is about. Stepping onto the dance floor and not doing it alone. So who are you supporting today, right? Because that's also the other thing I talk about when it comes to being the first one on the dance floor. It's not usually all about the first person. It's that second follower who validates that person. Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to create something together. And then this third person comes in and is like, I want to be a part of this. This looks mm -hmm. like a lot of fun. So that's that's part of my keynote that I talk about, and it's it, it, and I've I've seen it time and time again. I examine dance floors all the time, but I also see this in life, and I see this in cultural movements throughout the world. So she's the leader of our pack. And so to capitalize on what you were just saying about the DJ thing and and you know and the dance floor. So when I was in high school, and actually probably into college, I my dad was a mobile DJ, so I did hundreds of weddings, right? Like I did. Where was this? Where was this? Uh, in, in Boston. That's okay. Yeah. So, but the reason I tell you that is one of the things that the DJ does and the MC is they know how to move people. They know how to get everybody over to go get a drink. They're running the room. And most people don't realize this. The MC isn't just playing the music or just, you know, doing like, remember all, I mean, there's like toasts and then there's this and you got to make sure the couple comes in and you got to make sure that the right song plays at the right time. And there's that, but there's also the fact that they are literally moving all of those people, they are in charge of what goes on in that room. And so part, you know, when you see a DJ work at like a club, they're working in cahoots with the bartender because they're getting right. everybody over playing a slow song, getting you to go get a drink, coming back, getting all, you know, needing a drink again. And so when Rob's talking about what he does, yes, absolutely. He provides that support and he provides that backbone. But this man is also like a one man organizer of of everybody's experience and that's a lot that's a lot of responsibility to have and he does it flawlessly and he does it in such a way that people leave him feeling like wow he is the one who's responsible for that experience he's the one who takes yeah. on the mantle of making sure and that's something that taught us in disney right like we're not there to have fun we're not i mean yeah we can have fun as a byproduct but it's all about it's all about the guest 
And so Rob has perfected the fine art of all about the guest. And that is what makes him so incredible. So, Oh, I appreciate it. That's so cool that your dad was a mobile DJ. Wow. I used to MC in karaoke back in the day. Oh, so yeah, you get it. You get it. Right. Uh, it is a craft. That's so fun that uh, you have that background. Karaoke. Remember those old videos? Remember the ones like the, the hokey MTV videos that went with the karaoke, yeah. the big discs? Yeah. Remember those? Oh my gosh. I just, oh, those were, those were. But I got into the DJ business when uh, CDs were slowly going out and mm -hmm. we're going into the hard drives. It's so much easier. Oh, uh, I'll show you wow. this. This right here is where all my music is. Where so this back in the day would probably represent twenty crates of records, right? People would have to haul in their crates and all the this stuff, fuzzy right? Cases, and, remember the case? The, they're like fuzzy yeah. and they have the handles. Yeah. I had like six of them. Yeah. Oh my god, never again. Yeah. Never yeah. again. It's all right here for me. This is crazy how it's Do all transformed. Funniest karaoke story when I was yes. nine years old. So my dad used to date this girl. I won't say her name because she's probably could be watching. She's awesome. He's terrible. But my dad used to date this girl and she used to sing all these songs. And one of the songs she used to sing was like a virgin. Now I'm eight years old. I don't know what a virgin is. So one day we're at this brunch where my dad's DJing at lunchtime and I asked to sing like a virgin. So there I am sitting there at eight years old, blasting this Madonna song. And these two women came up to my, my dad and they were like, why are you letting her sing that? Like, that's so inappropriate. And I remember getting so mad. Like, why do they care what I sing? Like, why does it matter to them? They're just jealous because I have a better voice than they do. And I'm thinking back right now and I am so mortified. I mean, now my 38 year old self is mortified. Like what kind of parent says, you know what? I think I'm going to let my that's daughter okay. Like what, like what was the thought process on that? Like what in your right mind made you think but that was a good idea. So that, that's like my it for the very first time, right? It's just so bad, so bad. And then we did New Year's Eve one time and we and he made me sing Summer Nights and he was holding my hand and swinging it, singing We Made Out Under the Dock. Again, not a fun moment. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. And look how you turned out. And look how You're I turned right. out, right? You're this okay. Is, this, You're is, okay. This, is, this is me. This is me sharing more of my my personal stuff. People say that I'm, I'm too, I'm too close to the vest. So sharing with really here. I, I would say you're, you're, you're an open book right now. So right now. Yeah. Well, the new me is trying to be more like that, but anyway, this is about you and how incredible you are. So I just had to share my karaoke uh, stories because yeah, I have I so it. many karaoke horror stories. <laughs> Look at these yeah. guys. They're laughing. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to know what, what, what everybody's go-to karaoke songs. Uh, one of my go-to karaoke songs, of course, is um, Backstreet Boys. Um, why am I forgetting this song? Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heart. Why am I, I forgetting want it that, that way. I want it that way. Oh, my gosh. Like, total brain fart. Anyway, Beautiful I want it that way. It doesn't make any sense. No, not really. Not at all. But uh, I got to tell you this one story. I met oh. Brian Luttrell from the Backstreet Boys oh, yeah. on Broadway. Mm -hmm. His son was performing on a Broadway show. And afterwards, Brian came up to him and his son. And I was like, oh, that's Brian Luttrell. And so I went up to him and he goes, do I know you? He's like, you look very familiar. I'm like, no, I'm just an entertainer like you. And he's like, oh, okay. And I was just like, I just wanted to say hello. We left the theater. We're outside the theater. And then he comes back out. And I'm like, hey, I get my wife. And I'm like, 
get this video. And so I start interviewing him. And so you might be able to find it on my Instagram, but I sang uh, a duet with Brian Luttrell. So I always say that to people. I'm like, yeah, I sang with the Backstreet Boy. So, oh my uh, God, I love that. That is amazing. That very nice guy. So cool. Very nice. Very nice. So, and I, I took my wife to see the Backstreet Boys in Las Vegas and I was screaming and like, she was like, so just like, she was like, why? I'm a huge Backstreet Boys fan. She's, she's more into Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. She, that's, that's her boy band. She likes the old school 60s boy bands. Oh, I love them too. I, I, most yeah. of the music I grew up with was 50s and 60s, but um, yep. I was an NSYNC girl. There you go. I'm a BSB. Sorry. So we can just uh, fight. We'll, we'll agree to disagree, right? There you go. They're so. both Disney boy bands anyway, so. Right. Orlando. Orlando, born and bright. But I mean, they were, remember the Disney Channel special? They both did. Didn't they both do Disney? I know NSYNC did. I think Backstreet Boys did a Disney Channel special. Yeah. Yeah. I know because I watched it like every day for three weeks while they ran it and while my family was in the pool. And they're like, aren't you going to go? No, I'm just going to sit here and watch Justin sing a little more time on you for the 73rd time. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, they came out when I was in college. And so that whole thing was around that time for me. So Sheena, we know yeah. our ideal client avatar or what, Rob? Like we, we had the movie, we're in the boy bands. We're, we're awesome. We're, we, 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 this ladies and gentlemen is the quintessential entertainment that you needed on a Wednesday. Yes. Hump day entertainment. So. Well, thank you so much for being here, Rob. You've been fantastic. It's been so good going down memory lane with you about Disney and about yeah, yes. all these things that we didn't even know we had in common. I know. It's so much fun. And remind me where you're based right now. Where are you? Where are you Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Well, I'll be coming to Savannah, well, at least flying in this summer. So that'll be my first time. We're going to Hilton Head for uh, okay. an event. Yeah, so, yeah. There, yeah, that's about 40 minutes that way. Yep. So I already bought, I haven't bought my tickets. I'm looking to come. So I'm excited to make my way to Savannah, at least to the airport for a little bit. So. Definitely make sure you hit um, the historic downtown. It's really a sight okay. to be seen. It's, oh, it's, it's a city, but it's not really a city. It's a, it's an urban sprawl. So it's very, there's little, co you know, cobblestone squares and yeah. so much stuff from the civil war there. Lots of, um, lots of history, just Weeping Willows, the big fountain in Forsyth. It, it's a must-see. It's I think it's the ro most romantic city in all of America. Ooh. Well, yeah. I'm excited to come check it out. We're also yeah. going to go check out the Savannah Bananas, the world-famous uh, AAA baseball team there. I think it's AAA or AA. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah. They used They're to quite... be the, the, the Sand Nats, but we like bananas much better. Yeah. And uh, they, they're quite entertaining, and I can wear my old banana suit from Disney back in the As day. if they would ever have let you take it out of costuming. That thing had a barcode on it. <gasps> they let you keep it? No, not that one. Oh. Wait for it. Give me a second here. Waiting. <laughs> oh, wait. This is the wrong jacket. Sorry. Wait. I got another one. Wait. Here's another one. I feel like we need, like, elevator music. Like, 70s elevator music. Like, uh-huh. Oh. This is my haunted mansion outfit. <laughs> Barcode and everything. How did you pull that off? I just never returned it. And they didn't come after you? They didn't come after you? No, no. Probably, if, if they did, they probably docked it for my pay. I don't know. But I kept it. I also have a Jungle Cruise outfit in there as well. 
but yeah, this is, this is my, uh, old Honda mansion outfit. I love it. I'll go. have to send you a picture of me and my pirate outfit. It was, uh, it was, it was well, you oh, know what it looked like. Those but. are the worst. Those, the, the, the pirate outfits. They, the like lower vest with the long sleeve urine stained shirt. Yeah. But like the pants were like, like bell bottomed, like disco pirates. Yeah. Um, with that ugly orange color. And we all had, well, no, the men had purple shirts and we had like white wench shirts. I'll, I'll send you pictures. Anyway, thank you so much for being here, Rob. You're amazing. If you guys have a thank chance, you. go check him out. Listen to him on Clubhouse. Thank He's you. incredible. Go find all his YouTubes subscribe to all his stuff, get in there, get, you know, if you have a family event or something coming up, he's definitely your guy. So thank you so much, Rob, for being here. We love you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Amy. And thanks to everybody watching. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And that'll do it. You guys for Wednesday wisdom this week until next week when we have another fantastic go pirates until next week, we have another fantastic guest. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you be at peace. Namaste.